0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle brought to you by Fullscale.io.
1: And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate InnovateHerKC, and I would be remiss if I did not tell you about our amazing episode sponsor. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by FullScale.io. FullScale knows that hiring software developers is difficult, and they can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and they have a platform to help you manage that team and make it super, super easy. So definitely reach out to FullScale.io for your software development needs. Now. Let us talk about the order of the day. I am so excited to have with us Navid Alipur. He is the founder and CEO of AI Med Global and uh, a leader within the AI space, the healthcare space, technology space. Uh, we we just have a really incredible individual here with us today. In fact, he was a top fifty honorary leader of influence in life science by San Diego by the San Diego Business Journal, which I think is super impressive. But Naveed, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Lauren, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Well, we're going to have some fun, but we're going to kick it off right. And I'm just going to ask you, Naveed, tell us about your journey.
0: My journey? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I like to joke that uh, my wife and I are the black sheep of the family. And the reason okay. I say that is- yeah, you know is, we're
1: going to have to drill down on that, right? We got, we got to get
0: into it and it gets to what we do at AI Med Global on the healthcare front. So my father's a retired cardiologist. Both my brothers are doctors. Her dad, a doctor. Her stepdad, her sister, and we're the two that went the path of uh, uh, business and law. Uh, but healthcare has been in my DNA, uh, you, you know, in my family and upbringing. And I have the utmost respect for uh, doctors and what they do to, you know, help prolong lives and save lives, whatever the disease or element uh, any of us have in that moment in need. And uh, so that's where we, you know. It brings me to what we do here um, at AI Med Global, which is the umbrella company for uh, the two companies I co-founded, CureMetrics and CureMatch, where we help with our women's suite products. We help detect breast cancer and heart disease from the same mammogram. uh, Which of course we have to talk about that. Um, It's you know to the two to ninety nine percent accuracy when it comes to breast cancer. Well, so, um, so
1: wait a minute. so you you are actually you're you're solving two problems because I, I have to tell you, my friend, as a woman, mammograms are not fun. No. <laughs> they're they're not fun, and so you're kind of killing two birds with one stone.
0: You hit the nail on the head. in, in fact, heart disease, and not to take be little breast cancer by any means, um, heart attacks and heart disease, it, it's called a silent killer amongst women, and that sixty five percent die on that first heart attack. Completely asymptomatic, they never knew they had heart disease.
1: That's right because the the well so this is something I've done a little studying up on but for women the the symptoms they actually present very very differently if at all in women than they do in men and for the longest time within the medical community me, the the male symptoms was kind of the default and so women would seek medical attention and say I'm experiencing nausea or I'm experiencing this effect and it wasn't recognized as a as a symptom of a heart attack is that is that
0: right? You 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 are so right with that. And uh, with with men, you know, we tend to get, get chest pain, shortness of breath. You go to the doctor. Um, you know, they tell you how bad you've been eating and to exercise, and one they put you yeah. on statins. Now, just getting on that statin reduces the risk of a cardiac event by fifty to sixty percent. Um, but with wow. women being asymptomatic, um, they never know they have heart disease until, unfortunately, uh, potentially that first and last heart attack. So imagine if a woman uh, goes in at the age of forty for her first mammogram, doesn't know she has heart disease in the family, and from this mammogram, a two for a one. Unfortunately, you're go- it's not a comfortable procedure. You're going through it anyway, but no new radiation, no new procedure. You also get a breast arterial calcification score that'll let you know that you you know you may you have heart disease developing early on, and you know go see your cardiologist now. Um, at the age of 40. Now that might be alarming and shocking for a 40-year-old that's seemingly in good health. Uh, but that early warning, that early detection is, is can sure. add decades of life. Um, and so that we're, so so that, and that's where on our cure metrics suite of products, again, to prolong life and save life, and as software and healthcare are converging, in, in San Diego is really one of the epicenters of this convergence of software and life sciences. Um, to prolong lives it's we have to detect treat and monitor so on our women's health products we detect breast cancer and heart disease um and then on our decision support products a cure match it's for not just women it's for women men or children unfortunately that have cancer and if a doctor wants to recommend a three drug combination there's literally over four and a half million combinations so it's beyond human cognition Um, and to to process that and that's what we do we say based on this patient's specific molecular makeup of their cancer and all the drugs available here's a recommended combination and so that's a decision support product we then uh, provide for then the oncologist to use in their decision making for the the care and the treatment to provide for that cancer patient
1: well and just think about think about the the increased uh, positive outcomes that early detect. I mean, we, we, we all talk about, you know, anytime that there is a, uh, a breast cancer awareness month or a health awareness, or uh, I'm sorry, a heart health awareness month, we always talk about that early detection, Uh, you know? And I mean, that's why women, we do our self exams and things like that. But I, can you talk to us a little bit about the kinds of outcomes you've seen, or I guess the the increased positive outcomes that you've seen as a result of this early detection and then, uh, I guess, recommended treatment options?
0: Yeah, no, I'd be happy to delve into that. So when we first started the company, uh, you know, we came at this from an uh, uh, AI perspective first, uh, our data scientists, or literally the rocket scientists, having done work for NASA and JPL and other institutions, detecting what's called anomalies in space weather, which I had no idea what that was. Um, But uh, if it's not detected early enough to reposition our defense satellites or telecom satellites, it can knock them out. And so they were able to help NASA get to a 99% accuracy in detecting these anomalies in space weather. So when we met them out of UCSD, um, there was no business plan, no business product. Uh, They just said, "Hey." We're these AI machine learning experts. Anywhere you can apply it to make a recommendation or prediction or forecast or to detect anomalies that don't belong, there's an opportunity to increase revenues, decrease costs, bring efficiencies. And we said, look, that's great. Uh, we're in San Diego. It's a healthcare town. That's a competitive advantage. What can we do in the healthcare space? And, and that's where, in the interest of time, you know, we said, hey, can you detect breast cancer better than existing computer-assisted detection technologies? And they very confidently said, yeah, we can do that. So we literally co-founded the company. And uh, one of the first, of course, uh, things we did was we went and talked to some of the top radiologists uh, here in in the country. um, And we got mammograms from, you know, top institutions. um, And we detected breast cancer in some cases up to four years earlier than they did.
1: Wow. That's incredible.
0: Four years earlier. And, and so again, some breast cancers, uh, some cancers overall, whether prostate or breast or any cancer, some grow faster, they're more aggressive, some grow slower. Um, but that early detection is pivotal. And to detect it early on, um, the odds of survival are significantly higher in stage one or two, uh, yeah. versus stage three or four. Uh, and it costs much less, the burden to the healthcare system, which, you know, constantly our healthcare costs keep rising. But to bring those costs down or to slow that down that rise, um it's a it's a it's a you know, hit two birds with one stone. We yeah. we're better care for the patient and by detecting it earlier, and it costs much less as well to the, the the healthcare system overall, uh that of course at the end of the day affects all our pocketbooks as we pay for health insurance every month.
1: That's that's absolutely incredible, and I I mean, four years—what an achievement! I I, I can't even—I'm sure that you can extra, extrapolate the data. I certainly can't, but I I can't even imagine how how many lives you have the potential to save with this technology. Now, I want to—I do want to talk about the technology. So, you have chosen. Uh, artificial intelligence as as a piece of your your interface. and you were talking about you know you're pulling in uh, you know mammogram results and and results. I mean essentially, you kind of had to build a system from the ground up and you had to teach your AI how to detect these things, how to find these anomalies. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that.'m I'm, I'm fascinated.
0: It's a really good question. And so in the suite of artificial intelligence products, there are different uh, technologies. So many people at this point have heard of NLP, natural language processing. Uh, so our Siri technology are uh, obviously is, is uh, NLP AI. Uh, mm-hmm. and many people have heard of machine learning, uh, yeah. which is what we use on the curometric side of the business. Um, and it's, there's also this notion that, you know, data is the 21st century's oil. Well, many people don't know, but Venezuela actually has more oil than any country in the world but they can't get their act together to get it out of the ground and refine it and turn it into gasoline. So you could sit on the biggest, most valuable pile of data in the world, but if you can't get it out of the ground and refine it and clean it in a structured manner to then get outputs out of it, uh, it's completely useless. And so one thing we've excelled at is how to clean the data. So how those mammograms are collected and structured because at the end of the day, um, as much as uh, you know, we hear uh, about the robots and AI taking over the world, we're nowhere near that right now. You still have to train the algorithm. This is breast cancer. Uh, this is a fatty necrosis. This is an implant. And this is calcification. And if you're training it to detect breast cancer, everything else is noise. So right. our data scientists have to clean that to train the algorithm to detect just the breast cancer. And then our other algorithm is the one we named CM Angio, where you go to our Curemetrics website, uh, which the AI Med Global website also drives to. That um, CM Angio is the product, the AI tool that specifically detects calcification. So okay. you do have to, with machine learning, train it to exactly do what you want. Um, yeah. And and so at some point though, there's a diminishing rate of return. If you say Navid, here's another ten million mammograms. Do you want them? Of course, the more, the better. But once we're the level of accuracy we are, there is that diminishing rate of return. Now, an AI tool that many people have not heard of, which is what we use on our CureMatch side, is called K-R-R-A-I, which stands for knowledge, representation, and reasoning. Uh, and where that's different, it's the same technology behind GPS, essentially. Okay. So if, if you and I were in the same city and we were to map one second after each other how to get to the airport, we're not going to get the exact same results because traffic patterns are always changing. Right, And and so that's where machine learning doesn't do that. It's that knowledge representation and reasoning um, and that input and that curation of that use of that data engine and and search engine that allows it to to get more and more accurate. And so that's where our co-founder, amazing lady, her name is Dr. Roselle Kurzrock, that's uh, K-U-R-Z-R-O-C-K, rock. And Mm -hmm. you, you look her up, you find a ton of content on her, truly one of the top oncologists in the world. And being Canadian by birth, you know, she always said, uh, you know, cancer is like a snowflake and that no two snowflakes are ever the same, right. no two cancers are ever the same. So machine learning is not the best optimal AI product to uh, recommend the best combination of drugs for that patient-specific cancer. Right. That's where the KRR AI comes in, where we take that person-specific NGS panel, and that stands for Next Generation Sequencing. Now, we don't do that part. We don't want to. There's labs that do that, public companies, private companies, where to the layperson, I say it's like the 23andMe of that person specific cancer. They take that. They unfortunately already have cancer. It's been detected. They right. take that biopsy using predominantly aluminum machine, but there's other companies that make the machines as well. Um, they will sequence it and produce their report that says this is the molecular makeup of your cancer, whether it's a solid cancer or a blood cancer, a liquid biopsy. So,
1: so it's very individualized results. because, uh, because yes. I was going to ask, like... I, one of the things that I know, you know, each each human body is kind of like a, a snowflake or a fingerprint. You know, you're never going to see the same. And so, you're training over time. You're training your systems. You're training the AI to look for different densities of tissues and and things like that. What are some of the other factors that can create variance?
0: So that's a fantastic question. Uh, and this is real precision medicine, true precision medicine. Um, and the, the the fact is that um, there really is no, let me take it a step back. Increasingly uh, it's being said said more and more cancer shouldn't be identified by the organ of the body it's found in. Mm -hmm. It should be really identified by the molecular structure. So that's where, um, you know, Merck big pharma company has a fantastic drug called Keytruda. Well, Keytruda was initially meant for uh, lung cancer patients. Increasingly it's been found that it's useful on other cancers um, and so that goes to show that it's not the organ it's found in, but the molecular makeup. So as we become more advanced and there's this convergence of life science and software, there you know computers are getting more powerful. There's more data to process and to train the algorithms. And as we get better and better, this convergence happens. That's where true precision medicine comes from. We say, well, why should this patient get the same treatment as the other when no two cancers are the same? Right. So, By getting their cancer biopsy sequenced by the labs, uh, but then produce that next generation sequencing panel, we could truly recommend the best combination based on the specific molecular makeup of that person's cancer. Uh, And again, cancer is a nasty, nasty beast. Um, We want to really make it more like um, diabetes or HIV, where it's not a death sentence anymore. And many people live with these diseases and ailments for you know decades and so the goal to be realistic is to as the oncologists say increase the PFS and the OS the progression free survival or the overall survival okay. um, and so that that's really what we're trying to do is to detect as early as possible and then recommend the best combination of drugs as early as possible to then prolong uh, that patient's life save that person's um, life um, you know the PFS and the OS. What
1: what a what an absolutely powerful thing that you're doing. I mean, I just and I, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I do not know the numbers on this, and and perhaps I I should have. But I do know that heart disease and and uh, cancers and in particular breast cancer. You know they're they're killers of so many. I don't know anybody who has not been touched by if not one, maybe even both of these of these very, very deadly conditions. and so I, I'm just I'm so impressed by what you're doing. Also, I'm gonna give you some props. Are you ready Navid? Here it comes. I'm right. One of the things that you are excellent at, you're very you're very good at explaining very uh, dense topics. Clearly, you're doing a great job. But I love the fact that you keep on breaking down the jargon. Like, I, I really appreciate that. Oh. You know, you're like, hey, that's what this stands for. And I'm like, ah, thank you. That's excellent. Because I was wondering. Well, <laughs> so thank you for that. My pleasure. <laughs> All right. Well, so so let me ask you this. I, I, I'm very curious. You mentioned that at a couple of points that you know maybe our technology has not quite caught up to to where we would like it to be or where we see it going. What do you see in the future, maybe even the near future, for for the evolution of your particular AI, or maybe even the technological landscape, the health tech landscape in the work that you're doing?
0: So uh, again, that that that's opens up a uh, 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 Rabbit hole we can go down for hours I mean, and hours. I don't, I'm not
1: going to. We're not going to hold you to any. No, no, no. If even if it's just speculation, like. But I, I would love to hear it. Hear your thoughts.
0: So there's, there's two, two topics I'll hit on there. One, um, the law is always behind technology. Um, it, whether in healthcare or any other industry, is sure. Technology advances first. And then the law catches up, whether it's in cryptocurrencies and regulating it, and what's That the was the actually knowledge.
1: what I just thought of, like right now, crypto—it's the yeah. wild west. It's the wild <laughs> cannabis business, also wild west. That's not even necessarily a technology, but yeah, uh, law definitely ha- it tends to need to catch up to societal sea change, which is what we're talking about here.
0: So, so that's one one area where, and again, this is never going to change because technology is always going to. Advance faster, and then the law needs to catch up to you know whether regulate it or protect us or uh, make sure that bad actors bad apples don't ruin the use of that technology um, and and so that's one aspect that and, and by the way, the regulatory bodies like the FDA are actually doing a fantastic job uh, in uh, accelerating the use of digital. Technologies, digital health, and artificial intelligence, precision medicine, genomics—this convergence that's happening—they're they're 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 doing a very good job. I know uh, it's easy to uh, to to knock government entities, but they're they're moving very fast. Um, On the other front, in this again, it's healthcare, but it also ties into national security elements and other privacy components. There's a balance to strike between privacy and population health. So. China, they don't have any privacy, right? And they will take all your information and the competitive advantage they may have long-term is they have more data to process, to train algorithms faster, Um, whether that's for uh, new healthcare technologies or that's the social credit score they have where, you know, you bought movie tickets, but you had, you know, three beers instead of two beers, you you can't go watch the movie, right? And that's why they don't want, people to use cash they want to track what you spend money on and and so there's a balance to strike and i think what you know we need to always uh you know look to do here is what is that level of privacy versus population health and do we get you know allow the person to the individual level to want to share their information um, or not um and so if You know, you come to me and or to say, you know, give us your data, your genetic information, and we want to use it for research to come up with new drugs and diseases. Uh, And by the way, you have a variant for this. Um, Of course, the natural response is, well, yes, I want this solved because you know, God forbid, I have this disease in you know twenty years. Uh, But then there's other component of 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 you know losing that our genomic information is is gold, right? right? It's 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 um there should be ownership to that in some degree of then individuals benefiting um from sharing their information. And that's that's sure. a, obviously a, a whole you know different path to go down. But I think that's where it's exciting and it's scary how fast we're uh we're moving here as yeah. you know computers get faster, the you know cost to process uh all that information and collect it uh is is you know accelerating. Uh, yeah. But then we have to strike that balance between um, privacy, and, oh, and and of course then uh, you know the the regulatory uh, needs uh, on the healthcare front to to you know protect the populace at large.
1: Absolutely. Well, so so we're gonna drill down on that in just a minute because I. I... This is leading me, and I hope you'll come with me on this journey. But this is leading me to to a conversation that I don't think we thought we were going to have. Okay. But I am totally into it. I'm very excited. Uh, but first things first. I do. I am also excited about today's ex, uh, today's episode sponsor. Um, you all know how much I love Full Scale. Uh, they are huge supporters of Innovator. They're an amazing technology company led by our startup hustle founder Matt DeCourcy. Um, But really, what they do is they help people. People create technology um and and they They know that finding expert software developers can be really, really difficult, but it doesn't have to be with FullScale. When you visit FullScale.io, you can build a software team quickly and affordably. They are a knowledgeable team. They're going to hold your hand through every step in the process and make sure that you feel supported. You can use the FullScale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. It is that easy. You can visit FullScale.io to learn more. Now, Naveed we're going to hop back into this conversation. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, have you ever read a book called the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks? I have not. Okay. So it is a fascinating, very well written journey and it is about a woman named Henrietta Lacks. Um, She was a sharecropper, I believe in 1930, she was a a black female sharecropper. Um, And she is actually responsible for what we call immortal cells, folks, uh, cells that are able to replicate. <laughs> and, and they are very useful in scientific application because it, when these cells replicate, you can then manipulate them and then you can test on them. And so Henrietta Lacks is the genesis of the immortal cells within the scientific community. And so the, the problem with this is her cells were taken from her without her consent. We're talking about privacy. We're talking about the autonomy of the body and access to things like records. Well, Henrietta Lacks had none of that. Her family has not benefited from the billions of dollars that the pharma industry have made off of her cells. And it's a, it's a huge controversy and it's a problem. And so I mentioned Henrietta Lacks because I want to ask you this, Naveed. That was just a little bit of context. Yeah. yeah. But where... Where do you find that line? We're talking about the line between privacy and, the, and knowledge, really, because the more knowledge you and your technology are able, the, the artificial intelligence and the machine learning, the more information you are able to take in, the better insights and actionable data you have, the more, you, the more lives you can save, really. But we also have to respect that right to privacy. And so where, where do you think that line lives?
0: Wow. That that is a a great question. And I do, I didn't know uh, the name um, and I haven't read that book, but I I have heard of the story and it was in the news recently.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's a a great book. It's written by a woman named Rebecca Skloot and she's a journalist and she she actually had to gain the, the family's trust before they would even talk to her because they... I they rightfully so feel as though they've been so screwed by the system. Um, you know, but a fascinating book, highly recommend it, but I, I apologize. I continue.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, well, I, I'm adding it to my, my list. So I'll, I'll, I'll uh, definitely want to add that to my reading list. So I don't think there's an, a, a perfect answer or solution. I think it's a balance. We need to continuously look to strike as a society. Um, and it, There's a a law that passed, um, I think it was last year, it was called the 21st Century's Cures Act. Um, And so the Cures Act essentially uh, says that we all own our own data. So if you contact your doctor and ask for your x-ray, MRI, blood work, mammogram, and they don't give it to you, huge penalties, right? So we have that now. It's our data, whereas before uh, it was harder to access. And the benefit of that, and this opens up so many opportunities for entrepreneurs uh, to help deliver better healthcare and also to monetize that data even better, where you and I could benefit from sharing our information. So if you chose to share your uh, genetic profile and that you had something very rare in that profile uh, that could be very valuable to a Pfizer or a Merck or a biotech to develop a drug, well you should get paid for that. And, and, and so, or if they want to collect more x-rays or uh, images, uh, I do believe that there needs to get to a point where uh, the patient can, the individual, not the patient, because you don't have to be a patient, but there, there are opportunities to monetize our data. And at the end of the day, we're software, our, our bodies, our genes, it's, it's software. And as we learn uh, more and more about, uh, our, our our bodies and our genome uh it's it's i think that you know the 21st century is uh you know the advancements are going to come in in the healthcare space and uh it, increasingly there's a term called wellness science um yeah. wellness science could be what we do or wellness science could be take this probiotic because lauren this is specific to your genetic profile and you know, you sure. need more magnesium or this
1: is gonna this is gonna help you regulate your you know gut flora or exactly. whatever it is yeah like but we're responding very specifically to to what is contained within you
0: hundred percent so so science fiction becomes a reality right and and yeah. uh, there's movies made on 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 this front but it's a truly brave new world in in some ways and, and it's scary I mean at one point you know then you need you know people with phds in AI ethics to to then say you know, is it right to clone someone? Yeah. Right.
1: So I'm a huge Jurassic. I'm a dinosaur fan. Oh, uh, and I'm a huge it. Jurassic Park fan. But one of the things that that uh, Ian Malcolm, you know, uh, Jeff Goldblum of says course. is that we we were so busy thinking of whether we could we never stopped to think if we should we
0: should yes
1: yep. <laughs>
0: my, my kids my our, we're, we're <laughs> weeks and, and we love the jurassic park movies and and by the way do you remember that scene where he drops the water and asks which direction uh yes, you yes. uh
1: he's well, trying to explain chaos theory <laughs> so
0: we so chaos we use chaos theory in our algorithms um and to, tr- to train them and it, um, it, it truly is am- amazing uh you yeah. know what, like, you, you can't, you cannot, you can guess there's a probability which way sure. the water's going to go, but at the end of the day, you don't know.
1: Well, yeah, and I mean, I, 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 a huge part of your work must be, like, probability modeling and, like, and all of that, but, I mean, honestly, I, I have a huge smile on my face right now, because I'm just like, yay, we get to geek out. Uh, I, I, I'm a huge science fan. I am absolutely a layperson, so, again, thank you for explaining things so well as we go along. Um, now, all right. For, for the next question, we, we talked about ethics. And so I'm actually very, very curious. There are all kinds of ethics committees and ethics boards that form around these new industries. And in particular, I would imagine that health uh, you know, going back to that privacy thing, uh, health is a is a huge part of that health tech, you know, trying cr- trying to establish those guidelines, but not just that the social mores that establish what is right and what is good as we innovate or disrupt industry. Right. So talk to us about um, what ha- what have you done? What work have you done and what work have um, you you how have you established your own ethics and your own ethical uh, paradigms? That's the word I'm looking for. (laughs) Sure.
0: Well, within the healthcare space, of course, uh, 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 there's a lot of regulatory guidelines, rightly so. Um, And so we have to abide by all that, whether it's HIPAA privacy law. So when, you know, a, a woman comes in for that mammogram and whatever machine the hospital has, for example, it could be a GE machine, a Hologic machine, a Fuji, doesn't matter. Uh, our software sits on top of that machine that um, the imaging center hospital bought, and we're 100% on Amazon's cloud. So that image is anonymized, it's encrypted, uh, sent gets sent up to our AWS cloud, our machine learning algorithms uh, do their magic and sends it back down, all in on, on, anonymized and encrypted. Um, and so we're, we're very, very, uh, uh, mindful of that. Uh, and we have our ISO 13485 certificates, which, um, again, it's necessary to do business in Europe, for example. So with Europe's GDPR laws, they're even more stringent. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, we're looking at what we're doing at a global level. Um, of course, we focus where we are first here in the US, but sure. cancer and heart disease certainly doesn't know borders or boundaries, and neither do we. And so we're looking at doing business to deliver better care um, at, at a global level, and, and you know we have our, for example, our uh, clearance in Brazil, the um, our ANVISA clearance, as it's called, it's the equivalent of their FDA. Um, so we abide by all the uh, the regulatory bodies and the rules uh, in place to really value that person's uh, private health information. Yeah, um, and that's paramount for us.
1: Absolutely. Well. I, I really appreciate that so one of the things that I and this is just something that I've heard i I actually have no firsthand knowledge of it but one of the things that I've heard is that med students um, you're you're assigned a cadaver when you when you start and one of the things they they often have ceremonies to like introduce you to the cadaver and thank the individual for for donating their body to science thank you for allowing us to do this work with you and that's always really impressed me so, so anytime I hear of a health tech startup or a, a health related uh, endeavor that prioritizes the the humanity of the work you know is such a as, as you say like you you have a healthy respect for the people who are contributing and for the people that you're Absolutely. building this game-changing life-saving technology around what? so I, I think that some thanks are due to you I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge and honor that Thank you <laughs> very very cool. Um, now, now, talk to us. Talk to us a little bit more about the the. What's the what's the word? I, I keep on thinking tactical, and that's not the word I'm looking for. What is the user experience like? Uh, uh, the user side of of both both of your startups.
0: So a great, great question. So um, on at the end of the day, we have to let me just take it a step back. We constantly remind ourselves um, that. There's a patient at the end of this, right? And that sure. patient could be ourselves, it could be our loved ones. Um, you know, th- statistically, one out of two men get cancer, one out of three women. Heart disease is the number one cause of mortality in the world. Um, and, and so, you know, these are the two top causes of death in the world. Uh there's a patient at the end, and it's gonna be one of ourselves or our loved ones. With that said. We have to um, also then look at you know how are we um, you know going to get this to use to market faster? Um, and the cure metrics side, it's you could say it's easier in the sense that um, you know it's already built into our you know our, our ecosystem that you know women of a certain age come in every year for a mammogram, so yeah. that's already being done. Uh the imaging centers already have the machines The radiologists are you know that's that's their job, but there's a shortage of mammographers and radiologists in the world, and even in the u s although we're better off than most places um but we want to get the technology in the hands of those doctors to then be able to deliver better care for their patients and their practice of medicine again, we're providing the technology it's the doctor that has to practice medicine and has the license in that specific state to take care of that patient. On the cure match side of the business, we offer our report that then is a decision support tool for the oncologist. Um, However, it's, you know, on that part of the business, it's kind of as Wayne Gretzky says, skate to where the puck is going. Um, We can go work directly with oncologists. We can work directly with the labs that are already doing the sequencing. Um, We can work with the insurance companies um, and, uh, you know, to require... Uh, an NGS panel and a combination therapy report to say, you know, why do you want us to pay for these drugs in this treatment? Why is it right for this patient? Um, And of course we have patients, they have cancer, they Google, they find us, and they come to us directly. And then we ask them, of course, to put us in touch with our oncologist um, so that we can get their next generation sequencing panel and uh, use that as our input again, to produce a report uh, based on their specific uh, genetic molecular profile of their cancer. Uh, so we we always look to include the the doctor and the provider because they're the one that's going to decide what treatment to give for that patient.
1: Okay, so I do. I'm I'm going to ask what I hope is a very very quick question, but I'm just very curious. So so we're talking about like mapping genomes, and so one of the things that I do know is that uh, in breast cancer there is a specific. Gene or gene, uh, uh, it's the, is it the BRCA? Something like that. The but it's a, it's a very gen- clear genetic marker that not only is it likely that you will eventually have breast cancer, but it is, it, it's an extreme likelihood. Yes. Like you're going to get it. <laughs> And so often, you know, when women choose to have their, their genomic information mapped out, if they find that they have this gene, they'll get, they'll get a mastectomy, and yeah. it just is a preventative measure. Now, my question is, as you are mapping for the individual, are you then able to inform the, the health profile of family members, like children and, 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 and uh, genetically related people?
0: So the, the short answer is no. Um,
1: okay <laughs> i was just curious it was just something right. that popped into my head <laughs> not
0: based on what no it's a good question but not based on what we do because we're only we cater our report to that specific patient now if they end up finding out that they have this gene um uh, of course then armed with that knowledge their daughter their sister their cousin um you know could, or their, their half sister right the couldn't yeah. know that Hey, there is a risk that you have this and then you go in and get that genetic test done in fact someone very close to me did that very thing because they had a, a, a you know a close relative that had breast cancer at an early age and so they went and got the genomic test and uh thankfully came back uh that you know they don't have that um but that's where knowledge is power um yeah. and not just for our own health but the health of our our
1: family members and loved ones. Okay. Well, so so now I'm going to ask a little nittier, grittier question. And my question is, is for the folks listening at home. I, I'm going to ask you as a, a health tech founder, what advice would you give to other health tech founders out there as they look to uh, start, build, scale their businesses? Uh,
0: wow. There's, there's, a, a lot to kind of peel back uh, on, on the layers of the, the onion there, so to speak. I know. Yeah.
1: I mean, all, all of the questions, like, honestly, because this is a topic that is so fraught with like interesting avenues. I know I'm asking you questions that have like 20 possible. No, no, answers.
0: it's, it's great. And, and <laughs> I know we have a limited amount of time and I, I want to <laughs> like, give you. Well, as you're my-
1: doing great so far. I've been throwing you some hairy stuff and you're doing great. <laughs> so, uh,
0: thank you. So I, I think the, the most important is that um, of course is, is, someone has a personal uh, you know, skin in the game, there's a reason they're going after this, whether it's impacted themselves or their family, they have that urgency every day to get up and move even one day faster because by yeah. doing that, you're going to impact someone's life. So we're an incredibly mission-driven team and every day, how can we do this one day faster? Um, because someone yeah. will benefit by that. So just having that internal desire to do that is is critical. Um, secondly, there there are increasingly more and more ESG investors, right? Whether environmental, social, governance, and and there are you know more and more investors um, that want to make a social impact. They don't just want to make a profit. Um, right. They want to do good, whether it's in the green energy space or in the healthcare space. You know, with us, and and so I think um, it's important to find the right investors be they uh institutional or family office or individual um that uh it's not just about making money right it, yeah. like they they, they want to make an impact and and thankfully uh there are you know you know more and more folks that want to do this and um you know yeah. follow well, the money unfortunately is a big aspect of it and you know healthcare represents 20 percent of the u.s economy Um, So there is uh, obviously, um, you know, money to be made if you can deliver a technology that can help people live longer and have a higher quality of life. Uh, But you got to have that internal drive that you're making an impact. You're not just developing a, you know, deliver pizza faster app or a dating app or walk your dog app. Like. You're yeah. impacting people's lives.
1: So, 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 do it fast and make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. And, exactly. I, and I, yeah, and I, I'd like to add, you know, the the right reasons piece. You know, I, I so I do not have a health tech startup, but I can tell you that I, as we all know, and as we talk about often on the show, entrepreneurship is hard. It's really hard. You're going to have nights where you are screaming at the sky and white knuckling it. And, you know, can I pay my employees? And what's the next step? There's no roadmap. And it's just really difficult. So if you have that core of purpose, for me, at least, and and I imagine it sounds like for you as well, Naveed, like, that's what gets me through, you know? A hundred percent. I mean, I read (laughs) somewhere
0: years ago that that, uh, what's the definition of an entrepreneur? And it was someone who is delusional.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. See, I was thinking you were gonna go like they're problem solvers. No, they're no, like, no. You're it's... gonna go that route, but that's that's not where you went.
0: You have to have <laughs> a certain air of you know, delusion that you're going to go against the grain and develop something that is not there or maybe isn't required that it's needed. Um yeah. and there are so many reasons to quit and go work a nine to five job and yeah. you know, clock <laughs> in and clock out, but if you're a a, a a clock watcher, or you know, you then or, or stamping the t- you know the, the
1: if you're the doing the quiet quitting clock- thing, like don't do this work,
0: <laughs> don't do this work, right, and and don't work for yeah. a startup. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Hey,
1: there's nothing wrong with doing something comfortable and getting that steady paycheck. But maybe that's not the path for you. <laughs> not, and
0: some people have that innate risk tolerance um, yeah. and drive to do that. Um, but if you don't, that's okay. My my wife is not an entrepreneur. She does not want risk. Um, and, and, you know, she so many people are, they just want the nine to five and sleep at night yeah. and, and have the weekend and go back at it on Monday. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that was fantastic. And now I'm about to ask you the human question. And okay. Here it comes. I've actually been thinking about this and I'm going to ask you a slightly more serious human question than I typically do. Uh, Cause usually they're real dumb. <laughs> but what I'm going to ask you is if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing?
0: Wow. Uh, <laughs> if I wasn't doing this, you know, it's, it's, it's funny I that uh, I say this because it's so different than what I'm doing. But I've always thought it would be very fun to have a, a restaurant slash bar,
1: Ooh.
0: Um, and uh, you know, to I, I like
1: the interaction. Right. What type? What type of cuisine, though? I,
0: I would have to say, uh, I would go for. Uh, just like your American bistro, right? So you okay. have uh a, a wide selection uh I'm for sorry. for for your for your guests. Yeah, there's
1: like. a, there's a lot of flexibility in there for sure. No, I I, I love it because that that leaves you you have all kinds of avenues that you can take. Well, and
0: it, it I think it gets like I I like to you know have like you know if you have give someone a good time and you know you're impacting their life, right? So I think it might not be in the healthcare sense, maybe instead of helping detect the heart disease, we might cause the heart disease by selling them the cheeseburger.
1: <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, that that would be a really good follow-up though. Like you're gonna yeah. have health, heart healthy options, right? right, right. No. <laughs> I feel like that's a thing that you would do. All right, well, hey, Naveed, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to to chat with us, uh, to explain a lot of things. My, my head is so full of knowledge and I, I'm pretty sure that after we hop off this call, I'm gonna go down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and just do a whole bunch of Googling and and uh, learn a little bit more. And I just, I I wanna thank you for that. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Lauren. It it was a lot of fun. Thank
1: you. Good, good, all right. Well, you know what else is a lot of fun, friends? I'm gonna tell you. It is hiring software engineers, testers, or lead No, I'm just kidding. That's not really that (laughs) fun. So full scale can help take that off your plate. They can help you out. Uh, FullScale has the people and the platform to help you build and manage a whole team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, all you have to do is answer a few questions and then your the platform is going to match you up with fully vetted highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders, and an an entire team at your disposal. At FullScale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. You can learn more when you visit FullScale.io. And friends, I'm going to go ahead and point you to Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson, our our fearless leaders, our fabulous uh, founders. They have a whole tech, how to build a tech business series. And I want you to keep an eye out for that. So definitely uh, look that up wherever you listen to the podcast, wherever you're listening right now to keep an eye out for those episodes, because it's a really insightful look at how to build a tech business. And both Matt Watson and Matt DeGorsi have been very successful in that. So they are definitely perfect people to to listen to. Friends, we are so, so grateful that you take the time out of your busy, busy schedules to listen to us. We hope that you get a lot out of it. Please give us feedback Let us know how we're doing. Uh, Feel free to offer up suggestions on topics, things that you want to hear about, but definitely keep coming back. We are very, very happy that you do and we will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustles
0: brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.
1: Like we do it.